Hello and welcome. This is Michael Annis, and you're listening to episode 21 of the Space Rocket History Podcast. Cry Havoc and Launch the Dogs of Vostok. For the Soviet Union, 1960 was a mixed bag of success and failure. As it struggled for new achievements in space exploration, the main driving force was to be the first nation to launch a man into space. An achievement their adversary, the United States, desperately wanted too. In the summer of 1960, the Soviets learned that the U.S. could launch a suborbital manned spaceflight as early as January 1961. Chief designer Korolev saw this as an important deadline and was determined to launch a manned orbital mission before the Americans launched their manned suborbital mission. Early in 1960, Korolev's designers had completed a plan for the first Vostok spacecraft called Vostok 1K. This would be used for testing purposes. Also in their plan was Vostok 2K, a spy satellite that would later become known as Zenit 2, and Vostok 3K, which would be used for manned Vostok missions. The Vostok 3K spacecraft consisted of two major parts, a spherical descent module and a conical instrument module. It looked somewhat like a diving bell. The descent module housed the cosmonaut, instruments, and escape system. It had a mass of 2,460 kilograms and a diameter of 2.3 meters. The cone-shaped instrument module contained propellant and the engine system. It had a mass of 2,270 kilograms, was 2.25 meters long, and 2.43 meters wide. The Vostok was designed to hold one cosmonaut in a spacesuit equipped with an ejection seat for launch aborts and for landing on the Earth. The spacecraft had two windows, one above the cosmonaut's head in the entry hatch and one at his feet. It had no orbital maneuvering engines, but it could be rotated on its axis by using the attitude control system, which used cold gas thrusters. There was only passive control for the capsule during re-entry. The capsule was like a ball with a heavy weight concentrated at one end. If you throw it in the air, it will automatically swing around with the heavy end downward. The problem was that it was only capable of a purely ballistic re-entry, which meant 8 Gs for the occupant during re-entry from Earth's orbit. In other words, the cosmonaut would feel 8 times Earth gravity as he re-entered the atmosphere. The main engine was not restartable, and was used only at the end of the mission for the re-entry braking maneuver. Instrumentation on the Vostok was rudimentary in the extreme. There was no gyro platform and no 8-ball for maneuvering. The re-entry maneuver was normally handled automatically by radio command, and the spacecraft was oriented horizontally using infrared sensors. Alignment on the orbital axis was made using the sun and star sensors. A single parachute allowed recovery of the capsule. At an altitude of 7 kilometers, the cosmonaut's hatch was blown from the capsule 
and he ejected from it in his seat. A drogue parachute opened, and the cosmonaut descended to four kilometers before jettisoning the seat and opening his main parachute. The Vostok capsule came down separately by its own parachute. In the event of failure of the automatic systems, the cosmonaut could take manual control of the spacecraft. This was done by using the Vizor periscope device mounted on the floor of the cabin. This had a central view and eight ports arranged in a circle around the center. When the spacecraft was perfectly centered in respect to the horizon, all eight of the ports would be lit up. Alignment along the orbit was judged by getting lines on the main scope to be aligned with the landscape flowing by below. In this way, the spacecraft could be oriented correctly for the re-entry maneuver. The launch vehicle for the first four Vostok launches was a three-stage version of the R-7 rocket called Vostok-L, or 8K-72L. It was derived from the Luna rocket with a slightly enlarged second stage to accommodate the larger payload. It was capable of delivering over 4,500 kilograms to orbit with a minimum altitude of 250 kilometers. Now to the flights. On May 15, 1960, Corrible Sputnik 1, which was also known as Sputnik 4 in the West, was launched using a Vostok-L rocket. It was the first test flight of the Soviet Vostok program and the first Vostok 1P spacecraft. The spacecraft contained scientific instruments, a television system, and a self-sustaining biological cabin with a mannequin. The spacecraft was designed to study the operation of the life support system and the stresses of flight. The spacecraft radioed both extensive telemetry and pre-recorded voice communications. After four days of flight, the descent module was separated from its equipment module and retro rockets were fired, but because of an incorrect attitude the spacecraft did not re-enter the atmosphere as planned. Instead, it was pushed into a higher orbit. The descent module eventually re-entered the atmosphere on September 5, 1962. A piece of it fell on 8th Street in Manitowoc, Wisconsin. The instrument module did not re-enter until October 15, 1965. As a side note, Two Italian amateur radio enthusiasts reported that radio signals were received on November 28, 1960, which could have originated from this spacecraft because the spacecraft did send pre-recorded voice communications. The report by the Italians has led some to believe a conspiracy theory that the spacecraft may have been manned by one of the so-called lost cosmonauts. The first Vostok 1K launch was made on July 28, 1960. It carried two dogs named Chaika and Lysika. Unfortunately, an explosion destroyed the spacecraft shortly after launching, killing both dogs. This mission was never given a name. 
The next mission designated Corbel Sputnik 2 or Sputnik 5 in the west was launched on August 19, 1960 carrying two dogs, Belka and Strelka, as well as a variety of other biological specimens including a gray rabbit, rats, mice, flies, plants, fungi, microscopic water plants, and seeds. Throughout the one-day mission, doctors continuously monitored the medical conditions of the dogs, while various parameters of the life support system were given a rigorous workout. The biomedical support team was able to observe the reaction of the dogs while in flight. Electrodes attached to the dogs and linked with the spacecraft communication system, which included a television camera, enabled Soviet scientists to check the animal's heart's blood pressure, breathing, and actions during the trip. The pictures coming back were not encouraging. Initially, the dogs appeared deathly still, and without the incoming data stream on their life signs, it would have been impossible to tell if they were alive or not. Later, they became more animated, but their movements seemed convulsive. Belka squirmed and finally vomited on the fourth orbit. A number of scientific experiments were carried out during the mission, including those for the detection of cosmic rays and the monitoring of high-energy emissions in the ultraviolet and X-ray wavelengths. A number of scientific experiments were carried out during the mission, including those for the detection of cosmic rays and the monitoring of high-energy emissions in the ultraviolet and X-ray wavelengths. Just as for Corbel Sputnik 1, the infrared horizon sensor failed. Engineers recommended using the backup solar orientation system, which did perform without any anomalies on the spacecraft's 18th orbit, and the descent apparatus successfully entered the Earth's atmosphere at the correct angle. The ejection system operated on schedule and ejected the dog's cabin with the mock-up ejection seat. The cabin landed safely by parachute only 10 kilometers from the designated point of touchdown in the Orsk region in Kazakhstan after a one-day, two-hour spaceflight. If the capsule had landed outside the recovery zone, there was a card attached to the dog cabin with instructions that directed anyone finding it to contact local officials immediately. The finder was asked not to open the capsule, but to set it upright and leave it exactly where it had landed. Belka and Strelka thus became the first living beings recovered from orbit. The spacecraft itself was only the second object retrieved from orbit. The American Discoverer 13 had preempted Corbel Sputnik 2 by nine days. Doctors found both dogs in good condition despite the concerns during the mission. Extensive physiological tests proved that there had been no fundamental change in their health. This flight verified almost all the primary elements of the spacecraft design. As a side note, at a dinner during the summit between the U.S. President John F. Kennedy and Soviet Premier Nikita Khrushchev in Vienna in 1961, Khrushchev sat next to the President's wife Jacqueline Kennedy. He bragged about the flight of Soviet space dogs and told Mrs. Kennedy about the puppies of the space dog Strelka. Out of a lack of dinner topics and more as a joke, she said to Khrushchev, Couldn't you send me one? 
She did not think any more about it until two months later when Soviet Ambassador Menshikov, during a visit to the White House, delivered one of the puppies to an astounded Mrs. Kennedy. Here is an audio clip from a Russian news agency translated to English. Recognize them? Belka and Stralka spent about a year in training to get used to life in space. They were taught how to endure excessive loads and restricted movements, wear their spacesuits and sensors, and eat from an automatic feeder. What could be called a Noah's Ark for space biology was built. Its mission, to fly 700,000 kilometers into space and then return to Earth. Seventeen revolutions around the planet and the spacecraft returns to Earth. It landed exactly where it was expected to land. How wonderful it was to see these two little space travelers safe and sound, sniffing hungrily at all the familiar smells of Earth. Journalists were told at the news conference that the unprecedented biological experiment had been a complete success, bringing spaceflight for humans one step closer. The success of Corbel Sputnik 2 gave the designers confidence to put forward a plan leading to a manned spaceflight. The plan, dated September 10, 1960, and approved by Premier Khrushchev, called for one or two more Vostok 1K flights, followed by two unmanned Vostok 3K flights, followed by a manned flight in December 1960. If the Soviets were successful, they would beat the earliest date that the Americans could possibly launch a manned flight. However, a major setback occurred on October 24, 1960, when a rocket explosion killed over 100 people, including Chief Marshal of Artillery Nadelin. In what is now called the Nadelin Catastrophe, this was one of the worst disasters in the history of spaceflight. It involved a rocket that was not designed by Korolev and was not necessary for the Vostok program. The rocket was by rival designer Mikhail Yangel, intended to be a new generation of intercontinental ballistic missiles. It would be two weeks before work on the Vostok program continued, and it was realized that the original target of a December manned launch was unrealistic. On December 1, 1960, the next Vostok 1K spacecraft was launched. It was called Corrible Sputnik 3 by the press. It carried the two dogs, Sayoka and Mushka. About 24 hours later, the engines fired to begin re-entry. But they fired for less time than was expected. This meant that the spacecraft would enter the atmosphere, but not over the Soviet territory. Some sources say that the Soviets used the self-destruct mechanism to explode the capsule, while other sources say an incorrect altitude caused the cabin to be destroyed upon re-entry. In either case, the spacecraft and the two dogs were destroyed. The next Vostok 1K spacecraft was launched on December 22, 1960, 
but it was unnamed because it failed to reach orbit. It carried two dogs named Cometa and Shutka. The third stage of the launch system malfunctioned and the emergency escape system was activated. The spacecraft landed 3,500 kilometers downrange of the launch site. The resulting rescue operation took several days in minus 40 degrees C condition. After a few days, the dogs were both recovered alive and the spacecraft was returned to Moscow a few weeks later. Despite Korolev's desire to announce this failure to the press, the State Commission vetoed the idea. The recent failures of the Vostok 1K series were not encouraging, but it was decided to proceed with launches of an automated version of the Vostok 3KA capsule. It was essentially the same spacecraft design that would be used in the manned missions. The only differences were they would carry a single dog into orbit, a life-size mannequin would be strapped into the main ejection seat, and Unlike the manned missions, it had a self-destruct system. The launch vehicle for the Vostok 3KA launches was a R-7-based rocket called Vostok-K, or 8K-72K. It was derived from the earlier Vostok-L. However, it featured uprated engines to improve performance and enlarge its payload capacity. It was capable of delivering over 4,700 kilograms to orbit. The approval of a manned mission was contingent upon the success of the next two automated Vostok 3KA missions. Unlike the previous Vostok 1K flights, the two unmanned Vostok 3KA flights were planned to last only a single orbit to imitate the plan for the first manned flight. The first of these unmanned flights, Korrible Sputnik 4, was launched on March 9, 1961. It carried the dog Cherznuska into orbit, as well as a mannequin that was given the name Ivan Ivanovich. Ivan wore a functioning SK-1 spacesuit. The dog was contained in a small pressurized sphere which contained 80 mice, several guinea pigs, and other biological specimens. Additional mice, guinea pigs, and other specimens were placed inside Ivan the mannequin. After one orbit, the descent module successfully re-entered the atmosphere. The mannequin was safely ejected, and the dog and other specimens landed separately in the descent module by parachute. The space flight lasted 106 minutes and the dog was recovered alive after landing. The mission was a complete success. Before the next mission was launched, on March 23rd, an accident occurred during training which led to the death of cosmonaut candidate Valentin Bondarenko. He was burned in a fire in an oxygen-rich isolation chamber and died in a hospital eight hours after the incident. Banda Renko was the first reported cosmonaut fatality. It's not clear whether other cosmonauts were told of his death immediately. The media didn't learn of Banda Renko's death or even his existence until many years later in 1986. 
Later, it was discovered that other cosmonauts had died prior to Bond and Rinko, which has led to more tales of lost cosmonauts. The next unmanned flight, Corbel Sputnik 5, was launched on March 25, 1961, two days after Bondonrinko's death. Like the previous Vostok 3KA flight, it lasted for only a single orbit, carried a mannequin, and a dog named Zefsdolka, which means starlet or little star. This mission was also a complete success, which was the final step required to get approval for a manned mission. The launch of the first cosmonaut could not be far off. At this time, the U.S. had a new president, John F. Kennedy, and he would have to deal with the consequences of that. Thanks for listening to this archive episode of the Space Rocket History Podcast. If you are financially able, please support the podcast by going to the homepage spacerockethistory.com and clicking on the orange donate button or the Patreon link. Thanks.